Welcome to Grace Harvest Church's weekly podcast. For more information about Grace Harvest Church or to find out more about something you hear during the podcast, visit us online at graceharvestchurch.org. Now listen in and allow God to speak to you through this week's message. It's my privilege to come to you today, church family, and share with you from the scripture. Um, in particular today, we're going to have communion together, the Lord's Supper, the Eucharist. We're going to gather as families uh, in our homes and remember the body and the blood of Jesus. We're going to look at the story of the Passover today. You know, today we have the opportunity to share in a very special communion service. We're having communion in the midst of this coronavirus called COVID-19. And here we are, we're all quarantined to our homes and we're separated from each other physically. However, today we're going to learn and experience the more important reality that we are all connected more deeply through the body and the blood of Jesus and his indwelling spirit. You've maybe never thought about that before. We share a deep connection through the Holy Spirit and through the work of Jesus Christ. Today, we will truly be one as we partake of the life-giving Lord's Supper together. You know, in a, uh, in a game of Bible trivia, this woman shared that she asked her eight-year-old daughter, what's another name for the Lord's Supper? And thinking hard, this eight-year-old girl blurted out, potluck! <laughs> and you know, the thing that's funny about that is, is that daughter was not too far from the original intention and practice of communion in the early church. You know, in the early church, whenever the church gathered together for communion, it was a meal. It was a time where they got together and ate, and all class distinction went away. All socioeconomic distinction went away. And they all came to the table together, and they shared their food with one another, and they broke bread, and they partook of the cup, and they remembered Jesus. And at that moment, all of them were on the same level, and all of them were one. And that's what I want us to see today. I want us to see this incredible story in the Old Testament of the Passover and how it relates to us and our need to be redeemed, to be rescued, and our, our oneness, our unity, the fact that we are one body, one church together. I want to take you to this Old Testament story, and it's going to be in Exodus chapter 12, verses 1 through 13. So if you've got a Bible, turn over there. That part won't be on the screen because it's a long text. We're going to read verses 1 through 13. And here's the thing I want you to see. I want you to see that this Old Testament story about the Passover meal was just a shadow. It was just a type of what was truly to come later. And what was truly to come later was that Jesus is the Lamb of God, is the Passover Lamb, and He was going to die for our sins. And to, to show us that, to, to help us to partake and be a part of that, He instituted what we call the Lord's Supper or the Eucharist or Communion right in the middle of the Passover feast. And I'm going to show that to you. We learned that in Luke 22, verses 7 and 8, where Jesus told them to prepare the Passover meal, and then later He did the Lord's Supper with them. But I, I want to look right now at Exodus 12, verses 1 through 13, and I'm reading from the ESV version, and listen carefully to what it says. It says, The Lord said to Moses and Aaron in the land of Egypt, 
This month shall be for you the beginning of months. It shall be the first month of the year for you. Tell all the congregation of Israel that on the tenth day of this month, every man shall take a lamb according to their father's houses, a lamb for a household. And if the household is too small for a lamb, then he and his neighbor shall take according to the number of persons, according to what each can eat, you shall make count for the lamb. Your lamb shall be without blemish, a male of a year old. You shall take it from the sheep or from the goats, and you shall keep it until the 14th day of this month. Then the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel shall kill their lambs at twilight. Then they shall take some of the blood and put it on the two doorposts and on the lintel of the houses in which they eat it. They shall eat the flesh that night, roasted on the fire with unleavened bread and bitter herbs. They shall eat it. Do not eat any of it raw or boiled in water, but roast it, its head with its legs and its inner parts. And you shall let none of it remain until the morning. Anything that remains until the morning you shall burn. In this manner you shall eat it, with your belt fastened, your sandals on your feet, your staff in your hand. You shall eat it in haste. It is the Lord's Passover, for I will pass through the land of Egypt that night, and I will strike all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both man and beast, and on all the gods of Egypt I will execute judgments. I am the Lord. The blood shall be assigned for you on the houses where you are. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you and no plague will befall you or destroy you when I strike the land of Egypt. This is a powerful, powerful story. One of the most important moments in the history of Israel in the Old Testament. And let me just remind you what had happened. The people of Israel had been in Egypt for 400 years. They'd grown into a strong nation. But during that time, the Egyptian pharaoh, the king, had made them all into slaves. And they'd been crying out to God for God to deliver them. So God raised up a man named Moses, and God opened a door and made a way, and he brought miracles and signs and wonders, and he judged all the false gods of Egypt. And after judging the false gods of Egypt, he came to this last plague, the death of the firstborn, and he told all the people of Israel, gather in your homes, close the doors, put blood over your doors, and eat this Passover meal and get ready to go because you're going to have to flee the land. The Egyptians aren't going to want you there anymore. They're going to have you leave, and, and you're going to need to be able to go quickly. And so this is the backdrop to this story. This is God rescuing his people from slavery, from oppression, from death, from pain, from sorrow. And it's a picture and it's a type of our lives when we were in bondage to sin and death and God brings us out through the death of Jesus Christ on the cross and the resurrection of Jesus. And so several things from this text I want to point out to you. The first thing is, it says the Passover was a time of new beginnings. That's what verse two tells us. And you know, we know in the New Testament that Jesus makes all things new every day. His mercies are new every morning. We are not continually bound to the sins and the mistakes of yesterday. Today is a new day. I don't know what you've done this week. I don't know what you did last night. I don't know what you did this morning. Maybe your life has been a life that's been bound by sin and, and you have all kinds of regrets, all kinds of things you wish you could change. Here's what I want you to know. In Jesus Christ, a new year, a new day, a new moment can begin. 
Secondly, there was a lamb for each household. That's what it says in verse 3. And I love, first of all, that for each household, salvation must begin. To be a person of God, it must begin in the household of every family. God provided a lamb for every household, and he's provided a lamb for us, and his name is Jesus, and he's adequate for every household. We have one lamb, one time, who gave his life for all time, and that covered every household that puts trust in him. There was a lamb for each household, for each family. He's more than sufficient to satisfy all of our hungers and desires. He meets that need. Thirdly, we are to share the lamb with our neighbor if we have too much for our own family. And I want you to know that in Christ, we always have too much. We have more than enough. Jesus is for more than us. You know, he never wanted us to take this good news, this salvation, this forgiveness, this love, this new family called the church. He never wanted us to take that and keep it to ourselves. As I shared several weeks ago, he doesn't want us to be a, a church that's turned in in a huddle, but he wants us to be a people that are looking out so we can see the needs of people that are hurting. And so also we can see when darkness is coming and we can prepare for it and be ready for it. There's enough of Jesus for not just us, not just our family, but for us to share with the world around us. So make sure you share. Next, this lamb was without blemish. And we know Jesus is without blemish. He has no sin, no fault of any kind. He is sinless and faultless. He is uniquely qualified to die for us and to pay for our sin debt. Next, the lamb's blood was to cover the doorposts and the households. This is really interesting. They were to take kind of like a paintbrush and they were to take the blood from this lamb and they were to paint it on the doorposts and on the lintels at, at their front door. Now doorposts are those areas in our life where we enter and exit each day. When we enter into life and work and relationships and temptations, we need to remember that the blood of Jesus is covering us as we go out. And as we get out there in the world and we interact and we go through life and those kinds of things, you know, happen. We, we interact with people. We have conflict. We, we get tempted. Sometimes we fall and we come home kind of dirty from the world. We need to have the sense that the blood of Jesus is covering us at the end of our day as well and giving us a fresh covering. His, and, and his death, his death for us made it possible for us to escape eternal death. When the death angel passed over all those Hebrew people's homes, they were covered. They were protected. And for us, when Jesus' blood covers us and we put trust in what he did on the cross, what happens for us is that we escape eternal death and we receive eternal life. Next, when you eat the lamb, you must eat all of it and eat it with, this is interesting, with unleavened bread and bitter herbs. We find that in verses 8 through 10. When you follow Jesus, you got to eat all that he is, including the parts that are hard to swallow. And if you've ever read the New Testament and the Gospels, you'll know what I mean. Because sometimes Jesus said hard things. You know, some people like to say Jesus was just a man of love and everything's okay with Jesus. And unconditional love means he doesn't care how you live or what you do. It's all good. That's not true. That's not unconditional love. Unconditional love doesn't just let you destroy your life or the lives of others. Sometimes Jesus said some hard things. He didn't just talk about love and truth 
and grace and mercy. But he talked about judgment. He talked about um, dealing with evil, not just the evil and those people out there or the bad guys and we're the good guys, but he talked about dealing with the evil inside the human heart. And that is in all of us. And so we have to take those parts of Jesus that are uncomfortable for us too. The unleavened bread represented the need to move into salvation suddenly and without delay. Listen, when you have an opportunity to make a decision that, yes, today is the day. I believe Jesus died for me. I believe he rose again. I believe he's real. I believe he's here. It's time to move quickly into that obedient faith at that moment and be decisive. Um, the bitter herbs represent the bondage of their past sin-filled lives. We must never forget where we've come from and how bad that bondage really is. And we must always go back and, and, and remember all that we've been forgiven of because we're going to face people and we're going to face situations and circumstances where it's going to be easy for us if we're not careful to forget where we came from and we're going to make judgments about others. And God wants us to remember what he's forgiven us from. Next, we eat the Passover dressed and ready to flee, it says. And what that means is we, we get ourselves ready to repent, to turn away from the darkness of this age that we live in, from the temptation of our own sinful natures that try to rise up from um, even the, the spirit of evil, the, the devil, the Satan that, that is real in the world today, the darkness that is in our world today. We need to be ready to flee from Egypt, to get out of the place where judgment is coming. And, and, and that means spiritually speaking. And then lastly, God judged his enemies and ours through the death of the Lamb of God. And we see in the New Testament, Jesus, in the book of Colossians, it says that he, when he was crucified on his cross, he stripped and he made an open show and triumphed over all of his enemies in the cross. So we know that Jesus came to not only um, forgive our sins and, and give us eternal life, but he came also to judge evil, to judge the powers of darkness that come against us in the world. Which takes me to my practical application here. And that is with Jesus going before us, delivering us from sin, and bringing us into this new community. What, what, how does communion connect us with him and with each other? And I want to read from 1 Corinthians 10, verses 16 and 17. And it should be on your screen. But it says this. When we bless the cup at the Lord's table... Aren't we sharing in the blood of Christ? Sharing in the blood of Christ. And when we break the bread, aren't we sharing in the body of Christ? And though we are many, we all eat from one loaf of bread, showing that we are one body. Listen, this is a powerful thing when we partake of communion. When we partake of communion, we are sharing in the life of of the blood and the body of Jesus. This word sharing in the Greek is, it means intimate connection, fellowship, to participate in, to share in. This word captures a very intimate connection. We share together in all that Jesus did for us in his death. We take his life into us together. This is what makes us one. The life, the death, and the risen life of Jesus. This is really important for us because right now we feel separated. And what you might not realize and what I might not realize is that we're still connected. The same Holy Spirit indwells us and the same blood of Jesus covers us. 
And we share in this intimate, organic union as a community and as a family together. And so let me just remind you of how much we need each other. I mean, think about this. We celebrate communion with bread. And Jesus said, this is my body. New King James Version says, broken for you. And he broke the bread. And then as he passed it around the table, they began to break the bread further and break the bread further and break the bread further. And as they broke the bread and shared it amongst one another, Jesus provided a picture. He provided an illustration of what was going to happen to him. He was going to be broken. But why was that going to happen? It was going to happen so that we could be one, first of all, with God and with each other. So somehow in the breaking of the bread, he illustrated that we're one. And then he passed around a cup. And, you know, I just want to remind you that grape juice or wine is made from grapes. Yes, but not just that. Made from grapes when they are crushed and when they are broken and when the juice of them comes out. And that's what happened to Jesus. The grapes and the juice represented his poured out blood. And Jesus was broken for us as bread. And he was taken and, and made into wine, as it were. His blood was poured out for us on the cross. And that brings us together. Though we are many, this text goes on to say, we are one loaf and one body. We are more deeply connected than we can ever realize. We don't just share a common belief. We don't just share a common experience. We share a common indwelling Holy Spirit, indwelling presence of Christ through his body and his blood poured out. Through broken bread and through poured out wine, we are redeemed and we're made one with God and with each other. So think about this. Think about all the benefits of this. What does this mean? This means that the Lord's Supper is the place where relationships can be restored. Are you offended with someone in your home or maybe, maybe even someone in the church? Reconcile those relationships. Secondly, the Lord's Supper is the place where we can receive and give forgiveness of sins. Look, right now, if you are feeling convicted about your own sin, let's say you've been partaking of some things or doing some things you're ashamed of. Can I just encourage you right now to stop? In fact, we're going to stop right now because we're going to have communion in a minute. And the scripture says that we should examine ourselves. Stop right now and pray and ask God to forgive you. Confess your sins to him. Whisper your sins to him. Come on, let's do that. Let's take a minute right now and, and let, ask the Holy Spirit, first of all, to search us and know us. And then let us confess our sins to God. Come on, let's do that. Father, I pray that you would search us and know us. That your spirit would search out whatever we have done, whatever deeds we have given ourselves to, whatever thought life we have given ourselves to, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life, whatever it may be. Lord, I pray you'd search us and know us right now. Show us what those things are. And then right now, Lord, we come to you today and we pray, forgive us our sins as we forgive those who have sinned against us. 
Forgive us, God, for anything that we've done. We thank you that Jesus died on a cross for those sins and that Jesus rose again. So as we confess what they are to you, Lord, thank you that we can be assured that we are forgiven. And we pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen. You're forgiven. You can be sure of that. Next, you know, the Lord's Supper is where we receive emotional, mental, and physical healing. I've heard a number of testimonies of people over the years that as they partook of the bread and the juice, they were healed physically. They were healed emotionally. God did something in them because something mysterious and powerful and dynamic happens when we partake of the Lord's Supper. And then the Lord's Supper is the place where we celebrate God's victory over death and over the plagues. We don't need to be afraid, not just physical death, but ultimately spiritual death. We don't need to be afraid. And lastly, the Lord's Supper is where we remember and exalt Jesus Christ. Listen, we're going to end today by partaking of communion together. So I just want to encourage you. Hopefully you already went and got the bread and the juice ready. But um, if you want to pause it right here and do that, pause this video and go get your bread and your juice ready and then come and, and, and get ready to partake. And this is what we're going to do. First of all, we're going to read the scripture. 1 Corinthians eleven twenty three through 26 says this, the Apostle Paul writing, For I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on the night when he was betrayed took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Let's take a piece of bread right now. Let's hold it up and let's thank the Lord for it. Come on, let's thank him. Lord Jesus, we thank you that your body was broken so that we could be made whole. Spirit, soul, and body. You know our need for restoration you know our need for healing. Also, Lord, we thank you that your body was broken, that we might be made one in the body of Christ and come to true unity. So now we thank you for this bread and we partake of it remembering your sacrifice. Let's partake together. Jesus then goes on to say, in the same way, also, he took the cup after supper, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. Let's lift up the cup. Lord Jesus, thank you this, that this cup represents the shedding of your blood for our sins. That this cup is the cup of the new covenant. And that because of this cup, we have access to God as our Father, and we can come to you and pray to you, and we have a relationship with you because of the true blood of Jesus that was shed for us. Thank you that we can remember you through this, that this is, yes, a symbol, but it's also a remembrance of something that's eternal, that right now your blood is actively at work forgiving us and cleansing us and making the new covenant possible. Thank you for it. We receive now this cup in your name, Jesus. Let's receive together. Then Jesus says this, 
For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. You proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Right now we proclaim Jesus died for us. Jesus rose again. Jesus is Lord and he's coming again. Listen, if you saw this message today and you were moved and now you understand communion in a new way or you understand why Jesus died on a cross for your sins and you want to become a follower of Christ or you just want to recommit your life, you got away from him and you want to recommit your life, I want to encourage you that you can do that. And if you do that, will you contact us on Facebook or call the church and let us know you made that decision and let us get you a gift. We have a gift of a Bible. We have a gift of a booklet that teaches you about faith. We want to help you walk with Jesus Christ. And now, church, I want to pray a blessing over you. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and give you peace. May the Lord be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Go with God. He goes with you. God bless you. Enjoy his presence today. Pray for us as we pray for you. We love you, church.